To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. Google strikes a deal and not everyone is happy about it. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. It is Friday, which means it's time for our Week in Review, Marketplace Tech Bites. On the show today, a trio of legal stories dominating big tech coverage this week. As OpenAI and Microsoft stare down allegations of copyright infringement, 11 nonfiction authors, including some Pulitzer winners, have joined a lawsuit against both companies. Plus, Apple pauses sales of two of its latest Apple Watch models. But patent problems might not actually be much of a problem for the company's haul this holiday. First, though, back in September, Google settled an antitrust lawsuit brought by 36 states and D.C. The case stemmed from the tech giant's handling of payments in its app store, Google Play. The terms of said settlement were kept secret ahead of a trial in a related antitrust case. But this week, we learned Google is paying $700 million as part of that September settlement. Wired senior writer Paresh Dave explained what prompted the states to file suit in the first place. The allegation is basically that Google forced developers to use its billing system. And as a result, consumers didn't really have a choice of how they would pay, weren't able to pay for some apps that didn't want to use the billing system and then overpaid for other apps because those app developers didn't really have a choice in billing. But the thing to note here is that most consumers or many consumers are probably only going to get $2 out of this settlement. Um, so it's not a ton, but if they bought a lot of games on the App Store, uh, the Google Play App Store, they might get a little bit more money. Yeah, $700 million sounds like a lot until you distribute it out. The vast majority will end up going to consumers, but there is a small proportion we should mention that is going to the states here. There is also a remedy involved in this outcome. How is Google going to be interacting differently with developers going forward because of this case? So Google has made a bunch of promises to developers, but these are commitments for like five years or seven years, making it easier for them to market alternative uh, billing systems or market their apps in different ways. But many of these things are small commitments or things that they've already been changing. Uh, I think the thing to note here is that it's not quite a done deal because of the uh, Epic versus Google case going against Google last week. Uh, it's the same judge who oversaw that case that is overseeing whether to approve this settlement, uh, which he could decide as soon as early January. And I wonder if the judge is going to see what the jury decided and just 
toss out the settlement and say it's not enough. Well, to your point, the New York Times is reporting that Google, for its part, hopes that this latest case will serve as a template for more resolutions, including with Epic Games, um, which does not seem all that interested in letting Google off easy here. Absolutely. Epic has called the settlement, the $700 million settlement and sort of the commitments attached to it really weak. They're super disappointed by the states and consumers settling uh, for what Epic pretty much views as peanuts. Yeah. Well, these proposed changes will go into effect only after the court formally approves the settlement. Um, Before we move on from Google, I want to highlight some of your excellent reporting on a deal brokered between the federal government and Google way back in 2011. So before the ill-fated Google Plus, for people who remember that, uh, there was Google Buzz. Google automatically created this friend network from people they emailed. Uh, (laughs) What could go wrong there? Um, Tell me about this. So it essentially exposed private email addresses, did a lot of things with people's personal data that Google probably should have gotten permission first before doing. So the FTC reached this uh, settlement with Google known as a consent decree uh, that required Google to establish a comprehensive privacy program. You could see that being a template uh, for what Judge James Donato does in this, uh, you know, Google uh, Play situation, where he could sort of have them establish a comprehensive antitrust program or something to make sure that they're really thinking about competition and everything that they do. Yeah. And you write that this long forgotten deal says a lot about how broken privacy protections are in the U.S. Yeah, because this uh, only a few companies have consent decrees like Google, Meta, and the idea being that those companies have some pretty good rules that they have to follow uh, and some checks and reviews that they have to do internally because of those consent decrees. But there's so many other companies, uh, TikTok, Apple, that aren't bound by these same consent decrees. And as a result, you know, the privacy of users there isn't is compromised maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And in your own words, uh, Congress does not look likely to act soon. I feel like I say that a lot. This article is definitely worth a read and we're going to be posting it. We'll be right back with more of Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review with Paresh Dave, senior writer at Wired. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Paresh Dave, senior writer at Wired. We're going to stay on the legal beat as we move to our next topic of the week. Eleven nonfiction authors have joined a copyright lawsuit against OpenAI and Microsoft. Paresh, what is the main claim that these authors are making? These authors are frustrated that OpenAI scraped the Internet, meaning they sort of grabbed text off of the Internet uh, and other databases uh, that have a bunch of books in them. And these books, you know, it's the full text of the books and OpenAI used these books and other texts from the internet to teach its system, which we, you know, we all know, know as like chat GPT, uh, how to write and understand text. And these authors say that that's copyright theft. Um, OpenAI should have to license that kind of information and pay them. Yeah. And there are some Pulitzer winners on this list of people suing. I, I realize my English degree is a little bit dated here because I didn't recognize all of these names, but Kai Bird is on it. He co-wrote American Prometheus, which, of course, was adapted into the film Oppenheimer. Um, And there are now a number of lawsuits like this one. I get it. But I also wonder, is there any turning back at this point? I mean, what is the remedy that they're looking for? I do make uh, I do have that same thought. Like, can a judge really stop 
sort of the innovation that's been happening here. Uh, and it, it feels doubtful. Um, most legal experts say that, you know, cases like this could go either way. And there are a few cases like this. But I think what the authors want is what some AI companies do. Uh, and in the in the sort of lawsuit that was filed this week or revised this week, uh, the authors say that other AI companies have been reaching out to them. They have been going through formal channels and they've been licensing the content, uh, which we have to assume that means the authors are being compensated. Uh, and they want OpenAI to do the same. And sort of Microsoft mm-hmm. has OpenAI's primary backer to do the same. Yeah. Tell me more about Microsoft and how they got roped into this. Is this just guilt by association? Part of it was uh, the initial lawsuit was filed uh, you know, last month when it looked like all of OpenAI was going to join Microsoft for a hot second. Um, and so Microsoft was associated that way. But now uh, the authors, uh, the plaintiffs in this case, are saying that you know Microsoft has a seat on OpenAI's board now, uh, has sort of a non-voting member, and there still remains sort of the primary uh, funder of, Micros- uh, of OpenAI. So they feel like there's a close connection and Microsoft is still using many of OpenAI's tools uh, for, you know, its own products. Yeah. And one of these suits pointing out that these models are now core to Microsoft's business and that that is reflected in Microsoft's stock price. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that. Parash, can we do one more legal story? (laughs) You're loving the legal. I'm loving the legal. You're going to get an honorary degree after this segment. Uh, Finally, Apple is pausing sales of its Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 starting today, Friday. These are going to be halted online, these sales. And then uh, they are also going to be halted in stores on Christmas Eve. Um, So, Presh, this stems from a ruling in October from the International Trade Commission, which found that Apple violated patents belonging to another company, this company called Massimo. What is the allegation? Apple took this technology known as sort of the pulse oximeter, um, which is basically it pulses lights at your skin. And depending on how that light bounces back, uh, the sensor can tell how much oxygen you have in your blood. More oxygen, generally, the better. Uh, and, it, you know, if blood oxygen levels change a little bit, uh, maybe you're having a heart attack or some uh, some serious condition. And uh, the allegation is that Apple tried to buy Massimo, maybe, you know, had a bunch of conversations with the company uh, and at some point, you know, hired away some employees and took the technology. Uh, yeah. And the ITC uh, uh, substantiated that allegation. Mm-hmm. An interesting timing here in terms of the halt on sales. The Biden administration could overturn this ruling. They have until Christmas. But at that point, does Apple even care anymore? I almost have to think that I almost think that this may have spurred sales uh, to all this news about, you know, you can't get the Apple Watch after uh, after this weekend. Exactly. You have to wonder why Apple decided to announce this, uh, you know, halt in sales earlier this week. And probably that was part of it. Also worth keeping in mind that the expectation is that Best Buy, Amazon, uh, sort of other sellers of Apple products are not bound by this restriction. So you can still buy Mm. buy the newest Apple Watch there. You can also still buy older models. Um, So it may be, you know, not as dire as it seems at first blush. That was Paresh Dave, senior writer at Wired. You can find the full video of this episode of Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review on our YouTube channel, Marketplace APM. And subscribe if you haven't already to watch us every Friday. 
Daniel Shin produced this episode. Jesus Alvarado and Rosie Hughes also produce our show. Gary O'Keefe and Brian Allison are our engineers this week. Daisy Palacios is our senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM.